Welcome back to West Bev. I'm Caitlin. I'm Ariel. And this is your Beverly Hills 90210 podcast, where we break down every episode of the 10-season show. Today we're talking about Season 7, Episode 7, Fearless. Mary, what happened this week? Donna receives a Citizen's Hero Award for putting herself in danger and, I guess, saving that baby deer. She also receives more of Fireman Cliff's attention and his help setting up the Alpha House's Halloween haunted house. He has so much fun hanging a speaker that he volunteers to scare children at the event the next day, except he's a little too good at that and scares a little boy to tears. After they calm the kid down and help him find a way to have fun at the haunted house, Donna and Fireman Cliff have a nice conversation in the dark before going to the pee pad Halloween party. Okay. I kind of love Cliff. He's extremely Donna's type. He's extremely Donna's type. Like, very specifically, when he admits that, like, he knew how to calm the kid down because he used to be scared of things and just, Mm -hmm. like, so freely talks about being scared of the dark. It was like, this is a firefighter who is vulnerable about his feelings. Like, Donna could want nothing else. Yeah. And like we talked about last week, Donna has a thing for guys who like work with their hands, kind of have more of that blue collar feel. And like, yes, he's a firefighter, so it's this literal job, but he was so ready to like offer his help with putting up the haunted house. And like when they get there, he's like working on the speakers. He's like on a ladder. You know, it's like, I I often think of I don't like to you know refer to Ray but like when I think of Cliff and when I think of Joe specifically in comparison to David I'm like David begs Donna to do things for him and then gets mad when she's good at them these boys are just willing to help Donna with whatever she's doing Joe included and almost like follow her lead you know like they don't like make her look small and I just feel like I'm like sitting here thinking how do we get from even Ray in the early moments to Joe to Cliff to date assuming there's nobody else David and that's the one that sticks that's what gets me. I mean, what is this like episode two of Cliff and he's just like you know you're a really amazing person Donna He compliments her three times. I counted. Yeah. And Joe did that too. I mean, you know, towards the end of it, he started getting like jealous, but then like same episode, he would apologize for his behavior and be like, you're just doing amazing things. And that's just not the world I'm in, but like you're doing them and therefore I support them. Also, I'm hungry. Yeah, exactly. It's just such an interesting choice for them to go eventually to David. I mean, hey, We don't know what's going to happen with David. He has plenty of time for growth. And Mm -hmm. I don't want to knock that. It's just every every man that they've given Donna thus far in between David has just been a similar guy. So I'm like, what, you know, why, why the bookends? Like, why David in the beginning and David at the end? What, what is so wrong about all the guys in the middle that then eventually, like, you know, thinking like Donna's finding what she doesn't like and David's what she does like. So like, 
I'm just trying to find the connection. <laughs> yeah. The only thing other than the like does that like does physical work or like works with their hands, you know, whatever that we've come up with. The only other thing that I can say separates, you know, Ray, Joe, and now Cliff from David is it seems like they're all older than her. Mm, good point. Like, it does seem like she's trying to go for a maturity level because we know Ray was like older. I think he was maybe yeah. like 23 or something. And then we don't know how old Cliff is, but I feel like I want to presume he's older. I know you can like become a firefighter young enough, but yeah. I'm choosing to believe he's older. And then we know Joe was at least a year older than her. Right. That's also a good point. Yeah, like, I don't know. Maybe she's just, like, waiting out David to mature, and then they'll work together, which, like you said, he's got plenty of time for it. He really is 21 at most, which we'll say because he's drinking in public. Right, exactly. So fingers crossed that we get a lot of growth from David and some kind of insight into what about all these men that she's typically been going after is so wrong and, yeah. and leads her eventually to what is so right about David. Yeah. I will be very curious to find it. Cause yeah, I mean, again, it's very early, but I'm loving Cliff. Oh yeah. Oh. And when he asks permission to come back, he's like, yeah, I really want to be here to like see the you know whole thing if it's okay with you mm-hmm. like this man is respectful he called when he was gonna be late so that was a huge thing like the fact that donna verbalized like hey at least you called there was zero malice in like her reaction to him being late because she's like you called me first and it's he- that easy fellas it is that easy <laughs> And, like, he was late because he was working on being a firefighter. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. He wasn't late because he forgot, you know, like, oh, my gosh. And, yeah, like, the considerations, because I'm also thinking even when they're at the haunted house later on, when it's, like, time to actually run the haunted house, he has no qualms about dressing up in costume. I know sometimes guys can be a little touchy about that. Or... That maybe they're not touching about the costume, but they want they want to be a part of the scene. Like Cliff, for all intents and purposes, and Donna aren't really together at the haunted house until the incident with the kid happens. And mm-hmm. like he's just like being a <laughs> headless horseman guy, and she's behind a curtain doing voiceover, basically, adorably, I might add. But like a lot of guys especially early on and girls for that matter would kind of be a little bit like, well, no, I wanted to come to this haunted house to spend time with you, not come to the haunted house and immediately not be around you, you know? Yeah. And I swear that's the kind of conversation that has happened between her and David. Yes. Right. Yes. Also a hundred percent agree on how adorable it was when she and Kelly were both being witches over the speaker It's just such a cute little friend moment, and I know that Jenny and um, Tori, Tori, God, thank you, are still really, really close in real life, so I'm like, it's kind of cute and adorable and beautiful to see a budding friendship, you know, that then now we have such a gratification of seeing this basically like 30 
plus year friendship. And I'm like, I bet they had so much fun doing this. They probably never said the same thing twice, you know? And yeah, like every time you get to see them together and it's just the two of them. Because like, Mm -hmm. especially here, they're on like a separate area of the set by themselves to have this. Like, it's not like Brandon's going to come in or Steve is going to come in. It's just them. And then like Cliff, who, you know, he's a guest star. Maybe he's not even allowed to talk to them. Right? He's (laughs) new here. (laughs) Oh, my gosh. Have you listened to Monday's episode of the Boy Meets World podcast? I don't know if this was Monday's, but I listened to the not episode recap, but the one before the episode recap where they have Trina McGee on. Yeah. And she says that the reason that she wasn't in the finale is because people told her that the main cast didn't want her in it. And... Because, so Trina, who played Angela, is about 10 to 12 years older than the rest of the main cast. So they didn't really hang out with each other when they were done off set because this was like a 17-year-old and a 28-year-old. Plus, she had two kids and was married. So it's like life stage was very different. And so they kind of, like, they were saying that they bet the reason they did that is because they never imagined it would get back to her or get back to them, sorry, because they didn't really hang out outside of the set. So she just believed this for the last 20 years. Yeah. it, And like hearing that and then hearing some of the rumors that fly around about 90210, first of all, makes me hate everyone. I trust no one now. Yeah. Like seriously. Hollywood is very clearly not for me. But like it just makes me think so much that like Yeah, people on sets, like, actors get labeled certain things or, like, you know, they'll say things like, I wasn't allowed to make eye contact or I was told that you hate me. And it's like, oh, my gosh. How horrible was TV in the 90s? Well, and, yeah, like, I was just going to piggyback on that and say it probably was actually worse back then because you didn't have like instant communication, you know, like you didn't have a cell phone, you didn't have the internet, you didn't have social media to like kind of cut through that or almost be more transparent. I mean, fun fact, Tom Hanks spoke at our like corporate wide town hall type thing today. It was amazing. He was so adorable. What a national treasure that guy is. But he was saying like they the our CEO asked him kind of a an interesting question about basically like celebrities having opinions and people getting tired of them blah 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 whatever but Tom Hanks was basically just like i mean the second i say something here with you it's already on social media like it's already out there so i bet today that's why so many things like you hear Leah Michelle apparently can't read and you know like stuff like that it's Spreads. So I imagine if this happened to Trina McGee today, Danielle Ryder and Will would know instantly. Yeah. And like had the potential to be resolved a lot faster or also would have had the potential to never happen in the first place mm-hmm. because then things get out like there would be a whole BuzzFeed listicle on how toxic the set was. <laughs> yeah. I mean, to be fair, I'm positive that has already happened. Like they heard the podcast on Monday and wrote an article about it. Immediately. I literally, like, after the podcast, Googled Trina McGee because I wanted to see what else she'd been in lately. And the first thing that popped up was a BuzzFeed article about the podcast I was currently listening to. Like, 
Total side wow. note, let's talk about how that would be my dream job is just listen to podcasts all day and then write 200 words on what happened. Right? That oh is gosh. the perfect job for me. But yeah, I guess all of that to say is like I'm so glad that it really seems like, you know, they're actually friends. Yeah. And whether or not guest stars, <clears throat> excuse me, just guest stars were treated a certain way. You know, we don't know that, obviously, but at least we can see that there was some wonderful friendships forged here and still going on today. Yeah. And I mean, honestly, that's really all I have to say specifically about Donna. Yeah, I think, yeah, because we touched on, you know, Cliff ended ending up showing up to the beach apartment to pick her up and he was late, but he had called first and and they show up really late to the, the pee pad. Um, or actually, do they even go? We don't actually see them. I think we might see them walk in, but like, yeah, we don't see them interact. The pee pad party is really specifically about Claire and Steve and then a little yeah, bit of Yeah, you're right. I think we get like one little B-roll shot basically of them dancing, but they don't talk at all. But yeah, so they end up going late because um, the power goes out because of the job that Cliff had just come from. And I just thought it was really cute. I was really like kind of wanting a little bit more on Cliff still being afraid of the dark because adults can be afraid of the dark. I am still afraid of the dark. Like not just when the lights go out. It's more like nighttime outside dark. But I would have kind of loved that because again, that would show another piece of vulnerability that Cliff has and I'm so on the Cliff train. (laughs) Yeah, that's the thing. Like I feel like I can talk more about Cliff here because like He's realizing Donna is perfect. We all know Donna is an angel on earth if ever there was one. That's correct. He is just reaffirming our beliefs in Donna's type. Yeah, and reaffirming our feelings on Donna and just how perfect she is. <laughs> exactly. So, yeah, Mary, uh, what else happened this week? Steve picks a fight with Claire about how he doesn't want to break up with her. She's like, too bad. I have a date to Halloween and it's not you. Steve cannot believe she'd rather go out with a dick like Dork Harrison. Wait, flip that around. (laughs) Oh, no, I loved it. (laughs) Unable to find his own date to the Halloween party, Steve decides to use a professional escort service Nat recommends because of course he does. Unfortunately, he isn't very good at numbers and requests the wrong girl. When Tammy shows up, Steve is upset at his own mistake but decides to take her to the party anyway. At the party, Tammy tells Claire Steve is cute and nice and really cares for her. Claire finds out Tammy is an escort and makes fun of Steve. The next day, Steve decides to accept that his breakup with Claire is happening. Immediately after he says this, she appears at the door and asks him for an open relationship. Steve turns down the idea because he doesn't want to share her. What is this? Steve is just taking L's. Like... The entire episode. Like, thank God he didn't succeed at all in this episode because I would have been so pissed off if, like, he keeps stumbling and stumbling and stumbling and then at the end of the episode he gets what he wants, you know? I mean, he honestly almost did. Like, Claire was willing to get back with him Mm -hmm. with, you know, stipulations. But, like, to be fair, she would be giving him exactly what she wants. She says this. Like, he keeps 
looking at other girls, kissing other girls, jumping around in pools and massaging sunscreen onto other girls. Like, this is what he wants. He's just so bad. I mean, literally, I think his first line in the episode is, Claire, I can't believe you're going to break up with me because I was kissing some other girl. That's ludicrous. <laughs> like, just what goes through your head, Steven? Just the whole time. That first scene when they're at school. Yeah. Is so bad on him. I mean, there's one point where he's like, why would you deny yourself me? Yeah. And he keeps like calling her pet names over and over in this episode, which I know he has done in the past, but not this frequent. And you can tell he's like doing it on purpose, you know? Yeah. And like normally I am the biggest sucker for a pet name. I'm just, I love it. It warms my heart. It makes me happy. This grossed me out. Yeah. This is like pet names for manipulation. Yes. Like, oh, let me try to, you know, use this because you love it and blah, blah, blah. But the second we get back together, I'm still going to be looking at other girls. Yeah, that's the thing is Steve has never realized in his life that his actions have consequences and he has to learn from what he did. Yeah, exactly. Like he even goes so far at the very end of this episode, I'm sorry, the very end of the scene where she Claire couldn't like ends up saying that she's going to the pee pad party, pee pad Halloween party, <laughs> too many peas, um, with Dick Harrison, who we met last week. He ends up saying that this is war. Yeah. How are you going to get a girl back by turning dating into warfare? Like, he's he's too much. He and is then, more immature than David. I will just say that. He, yeah. He is a full probably year and a half older than David, and he is easily more immature. David doesn't handle anger well, which is understandable at times. Like, he's got to learn that lesson. But Steve is way more immature. Because I think the biggest problem is, like, David has yet to be put in the situation to truly learn his lessons. Like, yeah. you know, he has had to learn lessons. Like, we do remember his meth addiction, and he hasn't tried meth again. Mm -hmm. But... Steve has been put in the situation to learn his lessons like five times. I mean, I think it was last episode or maybe two episodes ago where Brandon was listing off all the stupid mm -hmm. things he's done. And then he did another stupid thing. And then two <laughs> episodes later, he's doing more stupid stuff. Yep. Here we are. And like, you know, speaking of turning dating into warfare, he wants to ask David's neighbor out the one he kissed. That made Claire break up with him. Like, that's mean. Yeah. Like, if if he's trying to do that to make Claire jealous, that would not make me jealous. That would make me angry and happy and would solidify my decision. You know, like, like happy about what I just did. Exactly. To break this off. Like, how could I be with somebody so manipulative and so deliberately mean? Yeah. And... I think it also says a lot about him that he can't find a date because he does not have other female friends. Right. Or even right. like, and again, like to that point, he, he tends to treat women 
as object as an object because like when he's even in a relationship he is constantly focusing on physical attraction not an emotional connection mm-hmm. which i understand some people you know like physical attraction is is usually a first impression i get that but because he's never trying to pursue an emotional connection with another woman he has very surface level i wouldn't even call them relationships but interactions with all of these women so yeah like it's no wonder i don't even really feel like he's friends with kelly and donna at this point you know i mean i i was gonna say no offense to him but i kind of mean a little offense i would be surprised how like if women want to be friends with him after finding out that he spent high school calling kelly a slut and lying about her sexual behavior Mm -hmm. and then like how he's treated his girlfriends and you know at one point, Val offers to call one of her cocktail waitresses. And I was like, why wouldn't Val be his date? And then I was like, oh, all right. She's he's got her all own shit to do. Yeah. <laughs> well, and he's also been a dick to her. It's true. It's true. Well, and to that point, because this is perfect, like when Steve's trying to find a – desperately to try to find a date, when Val offers one of his cocktail waitresses or one of their friends – he decides this is the time to be picky because, oh, they're not – there's nothing special about a cocktail waitress. Like, he was basically saying, like, he needs a brain or – I forget exactly what he said, but he said something about, like, he basically he wanted them to be better than Claire, which obviously is a very hard ask. But just even that, those comments, I'm like, why do you think any of those women – even the cocktail waitresses who you are looking down on would want to date you and if like, you act like this. Yeah. The audacity, you know? It's ridiculous that he thinks he is so great. And I mean, this is the problem with failing upwards is he has never like really been knocked down a size except for when girls dump him and then he gets over it when he gets the next girl. But like. Yeah. Or does he read Kelly Taylor? Only Kelly Taylor. Ridiculous. Yeah. <laughs> uh, but yeah, so like Nat offers this escort service that he knows about, which he clarifies. He's like, it's it's like girlfriend experience. It's not sex work because this is something Nat would know about and have partaken <laughs> in. Hey, maybe. Like maybe those 20 years he wasn't with Joan. He was dating with Hard when you own a business. And it's a, you know, fast food-ish dinery restaurant. You need all the help you can get. <laughs> I just really love the idea that a woman who owns an escort service loves his mega burger oh. and is just like, let me hook you up with a date. Why is You're this such me? such a sweet man. <laughs> like, why is this me? You said that and I was like, I do love a good burger. <laughs> oh, my God. I mean, fair. Yeah. That mega burger <laughs> must be a thing. The next time we see Steve, he is at the escort service, looking through a binder of women. Don't say that. <laughs> I, it was in my head when it happened, and I couldn't undo it. It was bad. I just, I couldn't get over it. And then when he can't even fill out his own clipboard. Oh, just, my God. He just hands it all to the receptionist and is like, oh, what number 167 or 170, whichever one he messes up. Like he literally like the 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 lady that who I can only assume is like the matchmaker or the owner or whoever 
was like, all you have to do is just look through this binder and then fill out this clipboard and then give it to the receptionist at the front. Blah, blah, blah. We're bing, bing, boom. We're done. I got to go make a putt. And the woman, the receptionist, presumably, comes in and Steve goes, can you fill this out for me? Like, doesn't say it like that, but he might as well. Like, yeah, I, he is a man child. That's like when I am filling out literally any form, I check it like 17 times before I fill it in. Like, this is not something that I let anybody else handle. I don't let John make our like family flight arrangements, even when he has <laughs> access to all of my information. And like, this is Steve called this war. And mm-hmm. he's just like, please do this. I'm helpless. Yeah, help me. I'm poor. Like, what? Honestly, like, I just decided that she was a receptionist based on my commentary that receptionists get all the tea and know all the things. And oh, that, for like, sure. my original theory was that she was going to take it and be like, this dumb idiot. And just, like, write in whatever she wants. I 100% agree. I'm like, yeah. Like, if this boy is asking me to fill out his form for him – he doesn't get to choose what he gets. Now, granted, there's not slim pickings at this business because that would not be the point at all, but you could still purposely mess with somebody and that would be hilarious. That's what I mean. Like, it's bad for business, but I would love it. Yeah. I will say when the wrong girl shows up, and he had a Japanese translator, not a nuclear engineering student who was mm-hmm. from Sweden. Mm-hmm. I was very concerned. Me too. And I even wrote in my notes, I was like, she's cute. Just take her as a date if she's interested. Yes. And then she was interested. And frankly, like, yeah, look at her. She cute. She's very cute and so excited and very personable and – all of that. I was really terrified we were about to enter into, like, really dangerous territory. <laughs> with, yeah. Like, no. When she showed up in a full kimono, I was like, oh, boy, what are we doing? What are we doing? What are we doing? Please, please fill me in. <laughs> well, and he was very – he was very specifically looking for, like, a Swedish engineering student, and he got a Japanese translator. Right. He was like, nope. Very nope. concerned. But she was into it. She was ready to go. She was game. Yeah. And then they go to the pee pad and she just like takes off the kimono and there's that little black dress underneath. I was like, man, this girl can do everything. Yeah, she can get it. And she was so excited. She's like, oh, yeah, here we go. Bam. And then like walks down the stairs. I was like, hey, girl, you are great. (laughs) I know. I was like, how is she not? I don't know how they do the numbering system, but I feel like she should be at the front of the list. Be like, look at this girl. That's true. I loved her. I felt really bad for her when she runs into Claire in the bathroom line yeah for sure and because it was very innocent on her part because she didn't obviously know any of the backstory and she walks up to Claire and Claire like had already noticed Tammy as like Steve's date and so she's immediately like defenses up and whatnot and Tammy poor Tammy is just like a little bystander in this whole thing kind of you know I know. And then Claire gets so mean about it. Yeah. Like, not a good look. I will say, though, I think it was less about trying to be mean to Tammy 
and more like mean to Steve, like assuming he would. Technically, she meant like escort service, like a hooker, but she guesses correctly in the sense that she like knows that Steve would do that. You know, like if this is war, Steve would do that in in times of war and in times of peace. Let's be real. Yeah, I mean, I feel like the commentary about like sex work is not a good thing. It's definitely the conversation that was happening at this time. Agreed. But yeah, it it is something that Steve would do and Claire reads him perfectly. And I think that's interesting to say that like, yeah, she just knows that about Steve. Like Claire is the one that makes a joke about him paying Tammy. Exactly. And before the, or I guess during the bathroom scene or, or while, you know, Claire was going to the bathroom, Steve is just out there staring at Dick. <laughs> like, Which is the funniest sentence to write. Steve is staring at Dick. <laughs> I wrote it too. But like staring, like staring him down. And eventually he like goes up to confront him and basically tries to take Dick down a peg by saying like oh well Claire's only with you to make me jealous and it was perfect timing for Claire to then come over here and like reveal what she believes you know that Tammy's an escort which she isn't but she did pay for the date or sorry he paid for the date and you never really see Steve embarrassed that much but you could tell he was like a little panicky in this moment but was still mad you know like still like oh Claire like and just Steve well yeah it it all goes back to the fact that he has never faced consequences for his actions and he Mm -hmm. always fails upwards and so the fact that somebody calls him out for a stupid thing he did in the moment in front of people that he hates like I feel like he's like embarrass me in front of my friends fine they'll still bronze my Nikes and forgive me Mm -hmm. embarrass me in front of my mortal enemy dick who like who do you know him? We met him two episodes ago or one episode ago. And we only learned this episode that you don't like him. Yeah, exactly. But I swear he found out that like Claire took him up on a date and it's just like that man's my enemy now. God. And then like the next, is it the next day? I guess it is next day. Yeah, it's next day because it's, it's daytime. Like when Brandon and Steve were chatting in the kitchen it cracked me up. So first of all, Steve says like things with Claire are hopeless and like maybe he should move on. And then he goes, I can't possibly be as bad as Claire says I am, can I? And Brent, I swear to God, the writers know that Steve sucks. They know what they're doing. They're making him suck on purpose. Because Brandon goes, no, Steve, you're you're the best Steve you can be. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> and he like, goes like, that's right, I am. Yeah. Like, damn right, I am. <laughs> the pause when Brandon realizes that he's about to say it just to appease Stephen is like, I can't say it. It's not true. I just can't do it. Yep, it's amazing. Flawless acting, and yep. then unfortunately, Claire's at the door to apologize, which. You know, I do think she has something to apologize for. I think Steve also has a lot to apologize for that he didn't get off his behind and do. Yep. I also, I really love that. 
I wish we had seen what happened to Claire during the day that she went to Nat made a comment about Steve hiring a hooker and Nat being like, now just hold on a second here. My friend Amy's business is nothing like that. (laughs) Or, you know, whatever this woman's name is. I didn't write it down. And then Claire felt so bad that she called the business to give Tammy a positive review. I love that. And for like that reason, but also because that tells you that Claire doesn't have any issue with any sort of what this business does right like she does not want to denigrate the woman in this she doesn't want to talk ill of tammy she wants to get the record straight for tammy not for steve i mean she still apologizes for like being a little bit of a dick but ha no pun intended but she ultimately does this for tammy and i this is why i love claire it was perfect And then Steve ruins it by being like, well, what about me? Do you forgive me? Yeah, it's like, no, absolutely not. She's even like, I don't know, like things can't go back to the way they were because the way they like things were, you were just looking at all the other girls. So here, why don't I give you what you need? I will like whether she truly wanted it for herself or not. She was like, here, let me try to give you what you need. And that will be an open relationship. The fact that he turns it down blew my mind yeah I mean okay so I read this as Claire was doing something that she didn't necessarily want to do be in an open relationship because she does care about Steve and she wasn't ready to let him go even though Mm -hmm. he's been hurting her and that Steve is incredibly selfish and he didn't want an open relationship not so that he can't date around but so that Claire can't date around correct And that's just honestly really par for the course. Yeah, agreed. Like, how are we supposed to like Steve? I know who he ends up with, and I do like her. That's all I'll say about that. (laughs) Won't tell you if we've met her, if we know her, if she showed up before, or if she's not. I mean... There's no way that we've met her before because everyone we know on the show would never date Steve. Wouldn't they? (laughs) Just going to keep that to myself. Okay. Are you ready for Mark and Kelly? (laughs) Are you ready for Mark and Kelly? (laughs) Gee, I don't know. Okay. (laughs) Mark gives Kelly some books to help her understand the two sides of his personality Side A is Brandon, and side B is Dylan. Kelly is kind of thrilled that Mark seems to be a balanced-out version of her two favorite boys she's ever dated. Claire and Donna, however, think she might be rushing into things. I mean, really, though, imagine if this guy that you like handed you one book, and it's your like last boyfriend's favorite author and then he hands you another book and it's your last last boyfriend's favorite author and those are the two boyfriends that you cheated on the other with and then had to break up with both of them because you chose you like if he had shown up and been like and also here's a painting from my favorite artist colin (laughs) or been like i really enjoy cocaine (laughs) (laughs) This is my third favorite book. It's just called Cocaine. Yeah. 
Oh god. Yeah, but like to be fair, like yeah, if if I had dated two people seriously like that and like really loved them, but at the end of the day, it just didn't work out and then all of a sudden here's this dude that's like a perfect hybrid of both of them. Of course I'd be into it, right? Like of course. I think to an extent I would be. I think depending on like the distance I had gotten from that, it would be different. But I mean, later on in the episode, I guess, you know, Claire and Donna make that comment of like, oh, I thought she was still in love with Brandon. And now she gets Brandon light with a dose of Dylan in it. Like, yeah, I get it. And yeah, to your point, like to an extent, if all of a sudden, like, sometimes Mark doesn't want to dance and then other times he like buys a motorcycle I'd be like hold on like this is too much (laughs) he just shows up one day with an eyebrow scar like where'd you get that and then he like swoops starts like instead of his middle part he swoops his hair like Brandon does (laughs) and says alrighty (laughs) and then all of a sudden he starts wearing shorts pants that are way too big for him oh man yeah but yeah to an extent for now it's fine but she seems excited and happy, and I guess that's all we can hope for after all the shit she's gone through. I mean, yeah, when Mark kisses her, she looks really cute and into it. And I did kind of like when he, like, pulls back and he's like, if that wasn't okay, you can just, like, shove a spider in my mouth. Yeah. Like, what is with all these boys and their consent? I love it. I mean, granted, yeah. that was after he kissed her, but still checked in with her. Yeah, like, was that okay? Should I never do that again? Yeah, like Cliff and Mark, so far they're fine in my book. And also I can't say Mark correctly anymore because one of my friends is Canadian and his brother's name is Mark and he literally calls him Mark. And so I can't, I have to think about saying his name and not saying it Mark. <laughs> I love it though. It, it fills me with warmth while I'm like almost five seasons into Degrassi. <laughs> yeah, good point. And I mean, I do love that Mark also showed up at the haunted house to help, both yeah. in the setup, and then he comes as a mummy later. And he like breaks down the next day after they spend the whole night together. He's not like, man, I should probably go get some sleep because they are up all night. He's like, no, nah, no, nah, we got a haunted house to take down. And he goes and helps. I know the whole reason that they showed up, like with Kelly still in her dress, is to be like, they didn't go home last night. But I just feel like everyone should be like, you can't break down. on. You're in an evening gown. <laughs> Go home. Change. Come back. It'll still be here. Stop on the way. Like, <laughs> that's that's much later in the episode. We kind of talked through all of what Mark and Kelly did. Yeah. I was going to like, I'm scrolling through and it's really show up at P-Pad, leave P-Pad early show up at haunted house next day i mean i think the only thing we didn't specifically talk about is how many times kelly talks about really liking mark and mark feeling guilty about even taking kelly to the pee pad to brandon you know like brandon calls him out on that and He's just like, well, no, I'm trying to help you and blah, blah, blah. But like, you know, he feels a little bit guilty because he's got this budding friendship with Brandon. So he doesn't want to like mess things up with him. I really want to know what the intended storyline was for Mark that we presumably will not be getting. Mm -hmm. Should rumors be true and there is actually a whole storyline worked out. 
I would like to know that. I would too. Mary, what else happened this week? David misses his grandpa's birthday to MC the pee pad Halloween party and really regrets it. But, like, did he even do anything at the pee pad other than drink margaritas? He sat at the bar the whole time. I mean, we didn't see after Val left, like, if he did anything else. But all we see him do is sit at the bar. Well, first, all we see him do is argue with his father at pe- at the peach pit, drink at the bar at the pee pad, and sob on the phone at his house. Yeah, his veins were popping. He was, like, full on sobbing. I saw, like, spittle come out. I was like, holy shit, what happened to Brian Austin Green? Yeah, right? I was like, speaking of emotions like we have talked about before, like, they are telling these kids puppies died. Right? Like, oh my god. But yeah, it is really sad that, like, David seems to kind of be distancing himself away a little bit, like, because, you know, he tried to, what's the word? Not quit. I guess quit school. Yeah, he tried to quit school. He tried to still continue to get rent from his dad while he moved all the way out to Mark's house. He separates from Donna with the whole recording industry stuff. And now he's like, we know, like we went to Palm Springs. We went to David's grandparents' house, you know, in Palm Springs. And he was like, loves them. And so he's not even going to Palm Springs for his grandpa's birthday. So like what's, and obviously we've seen the drinking. So what's going on with David? Yeah, I, the thing that really stuck out at me when he was talking to Mel and Mel was like trying to compromise and was like, come with us. You can fly back tomorrow for the party. Like you should just go see your grandfather. And then David's like, you can't keep making me do things I don't want to do. You Mm -hmm. pay for my housing. I go to school like you asked. Like Mm -hmm. he's very much treating this transactional and distant. And very much. I see this going, you know, kind of two different ways of either like this is that turning point for David where he sees like I made this decision and now I don't get to see my grandfather anymore, which is a horrible realization to have and like not a hundred percent the realization he should be having, but maybe it'll like get him back into therapy and like, right, you know, realize that he needs to look at his life differently or this pushes him in the complete opposite direction. He's like, well, I missed it and I can't do anything about it. So might as well just keep doing what I'm doing and drink my margaritas. It just seems like he's going down a not so great path. And we've also seen his anger come out a lot more, you know, with regard to Donna and now Mel. So this is not a good recipe for anything positive. Yeah, I mean, you know, as much as we complain about David, I mean, literally at the beginning of this episode, 30 some odd minutes ago, we were like, I can't believe that Donna ends up with him. Mm -hmm. Like, that doesn't mean we want bad things to happen to him. Oh, for sure. Yeah, no, definitely not. It, yeah, I mean, he really didn't do much in this episode, but I feel really bad about everything. I know, me too. Like, that sucks. And yeah, and I, just seeing the reaction, it was very visceral. Like, I wasn't expecting it, to be honest with you. I was expecting him to be sad, but sobbing, I wasn't expecting. That was a damn good performance. Right? From Mr. Bag. 
Mm-hmm. Yeah. No, I was expecting, like, shock or something. Yeah. Like, I feel like that's the direction, like, as an actor, I would have taken it if someone wasn't just, like, you were devastated here. Like, I would go shock because, like, I don't think I can pull off what he pulled off on screen, which is hilarious because we've also seen him act really emotional on screen before. So, like, yeah. I shouldn't be surprised that he pulls this off. I think it was just more that we've never seen one this visceral, you know? And seemingly not out of the blue, but almost going from zero to, you know, 60 this quickly. Yeah, yeah that's fair. Because there has been buildup before. Mm-hmm. And this was just like that. Yeah. Yeah. And I feel like in the past we've seen a lot more of David angry rather than him explicitly just heartbroken. Mm-hmm. Like yeah. even with his breakups and stuff, he doesn't really seem to express that much when they happen. Exactly. Yeah. yeah. Poor David. Poor David. Like it feels weird to just be like, poor David. And then, but not a lot happened. Brandon asks Tracy to go to the Halloween party, either because or not because Mark thinks it'll keep their news anchor smiling. But Tracy wants to be asked out because her of her merits as a cute single girl with a cute single personality. So they just go alone and meet up at the party. Despite all his misgivings about starting another workplace relationship, Brandon drives Tracy home when she wants to leave the party early and gives her a nice little goodnight kiss. Nice little. That was tame. That was, <laughs> that was close to eating face. Oh, it was. In my opinion, it was eating face. I said went full Brandon on the mouth kiss. (laughs) (laughs) I like to think he's grown a little bit where he didn't fully unhinge his jaw. (laughs) Yeah. But that's about it. I feel like that's his default setting. So it's like he goes in every single time. Like, I wonder if she'll like this. And if she doesn't and she's a keeper, he'll rein it in. (laughs) I am starting to like Tracy in this episode. Her, like, neuroses in this whole thing where she's just like, do you want to come in? Oh, sorry. That was really stupid. Bye. And then just like, (laughs) I'm sorry. Can we try that again? Well, and the fact that she like says no to Brandon taking her to the party because she felt like he was obligated. Like it's clear she's looking out for herself. You know, she's like, I don't want to be treated badly. Like, let me just, I'll stand up for me. Yeah. I really love her reasoning for that. Mm -hmm. But like, So before he asks her out, the very first thing we see is him reading fan mail slash kind of hate mail that's also fan mail. Mm -hmm. And like people are writing into the campus TV station being like, I want to see more of Tracy's feet. Like, are we serious? Feet pics go this far back? 100% camera B wrote those. That's what I was thinking. I was like, camera B wants this to be his job. And I just think it's hilarious that he's, like, supposed to run the TV station and is reading her fan mail. And, like, that's his job today. And Mark is just like, hey, now that you've read about how everybody loves her, how do you feel about Do you like her? You should ask her on a date. She doesn't have a date. Ask her out. I just loved it because I wasn't totally sure if he was just, like, Brandon calls him out and is like, are you just doing this because you're going out with Kelly? Like, 
so that, but also just the enthusiasm that he had, you know, like I couldn't decide if it was the jealousy thing or the guilt thing, or if it was genuinely like, no, bro, bros look out for each other. <laughs> I wish that had been the line, like verbatim. Right. Like, no, bro. You guys would be such a good fit together. That would be a line in like How I Met Your Mother or gosh, who says bro all the time that I, I feel like I watch a show where they say bro a lot. Oh, like that would be like a new girl thing. I was going to say it would be like a 30 minute sitcom thing where mm-hmm. like guy love exists and mm-hmm. like scrubs. Scrubs would absolutely say something like this and it would be 100% sincere and like maybe it would cut away to a fantasy of like the three of them on a date together. Right. Right. But he okay. He does ask her out, but he doesn't ask her until after he's like, "Oh yeah, your segment just don't like your editorial moment was petty gripe and don't do it again." That was a little confusing to me, the whole like he didn't like what she said. But he didn't outright say he didn't like what she said, but she knew it anyway, and then she eventually got him got it to come out. And he was kind of rude about it, but in kind of like a backhanded way. I don't know. It, 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 was, it was weird. It was weird. Like, it felt like he was trying to be professional, but like maybe he's not really good at managing people and maybe specifically yeah. not managing, not being the person with the power in the relationship. Like, Yeah, that's fair. I, I can't remember specific examples of, like, him and Susan working together on newspaper stuff, but their whole right. thing was that Brandon is, like, a wonderkin, so it doesn't matter. Nobody ever says anything bad to him. Mm-hmm. But, yeah, he, like, talks down to her in a business fashion, and then when business conversation's over, he asks her out. Right. And she says no, and I was like, yeah, who would say yes to you? <laughs> like, in this scenario, in other yeah. scenarios, fine. But like when you were literally just like, stick to what's written, don't editorialize. Do you want to go out? Yeah. Like it wasn't the right time or place. It wasn't. And like her reason for saying no is completely different. You can tell because there's a pause where she's like, no, dot, dot, dot. I've been looking forward to going by myself. Mm-hmm. Bye. Mm hmm. But, yeah, it wasn't the right time. And, like, we know she likes him. So. Which, when they get to, the, or when we both see them both at the pee pad, and we see Brandon's costume. I loved his little bowler hat before I realized he was in full costume. It was so cute. Yeah, he's, like, drinking out of his glass so you can't see his Charlie Chaplin mustache until he puts it down and turns. And I'm just like. Damn it, Brandon, why? (laughs) Why do you continuously make me love you all the time now? I feel so stupid for hating him. (laughs) I know. And like, he's he's funny in this part. So funny. Because she asks him to dance and he's like, okay, I need to know if you want to dance with me, you want to hang out with me here, like, why didn't you just agree to come with me in the first place? Mm -hmm. And this is when she says, like, I think you asked me out of obligation, but I want someone who thinks I'm pretty, witty, and available. And he goes, two out of three do? Which do? Pretty and available. Which, like, she's witty. 
it's like a little bit of a neg but you can tell Mm -hmm. this is like a joke here of like oh who's the witty one in this relationship it's me bye-bye that's true yeah if you say it like that like yes that makes sense because brandon is definitely the witty one unless he's with susan yeah i mean he's funny he's really funny right before they get to the pee pad and he and steve are talking Mm -hmm. they have that little like steve and brandon thing they always do yes so like he is funny i get it i same as you i i can't get over the fact that we used to hate him (laughs) it's just wild man it's so wild i mean he has a few but like okay so tracy like i said she's like really nervous about all of this where like she feels bad asking him to drive her home and he's like just get in the car Mm-hmm. get in the car she's like you don't have to do this I'll call a cab yeah like I'll be honest like I don't love the neuroses you know because like I understand not wanting to put somebody out and like inconvenience them but I'm like dude he's offering just accept it let's move on yeah it's it's again one of those times where I realize like these are still really young adults yes we're like yeah you don't just like have your smartphone with Uber with a credit card hooked up to it. Like you can't just get yourself home and this guy is offering to drive you and you like him, but you don't want to push it too far and you're 22 and like it could get weird. And then being the one to be like, hey, do you want to come into my dorm room? Like Mm. that is stressful. Like (laughs) I would be sweating. And then I'd be like, you actually can't come in. I have to go take a shower. Right? Like I'm so sorry. I lied. You can't come in. (laughs) Which I guess is technically what she does. Mm-hmm. But then she's like, wait, wait, wait. No, 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 no. Like, she feels, like, cheaty a little bit from the good place, you know, not oh. able to make a decision. Like, it's borderlining a little bit of, you know, not necessarily just neuroses and, and, and that sort of thing, but it's actually know that she can't make up her mind. I hope she writes a PowerPoint presentation on why they should date. <laughs> if she does, she will skyrocket in my book. I love her so much. But yeah, I mean, he kisses her goodnight. He arguably is either eating face or on the verge of eating face. (laughs) Listeners, what do you think? And that's it. He goes home. He goes home in his cute little outfit and his cane, and it was wonderful. I hate how cute he is. (laughs) I mean, I love it, but oh my God. All right, Mary, what else happened this week? I've been so fucking ready for this, guys. (laughs) (laughs) Valerie has an air quotes doctor appointment to confirm her pregnancy and then meets Kenny in the parking lot for a chat about air quotes, their baby. Kenny insists Val has to get an abortion. Oh, also, here's $10,000 to go do that and also maybe take a vacation or whatever. Val's like, hey, let's multiply that check by 10. And he's like, you can have the 10K. (laughs) (laughs) After many declarations of love and Kenny insisting he still wants to see her, he skips the pee pad party he was supposed to bring an investor to and changes his cell phone number a little bit. Val retaliates by delivering a bag of diapers to his wife in person. A furious Kenny gives Val her $100,000 and lets her know his lawyers will be in touch about a little non-disclosure agreement. Also, she has to get an abortion, except she doesn't because she's not pregnant. (laughs) I 
love that the show spelled it out for us at the very beginning of this episode, and it was perfect. Yeah, 100%. Also, can we pour one out and be so thrilled that we have manipulative mastermind Valerie Malone back? Okay, so you know how superhero movies have, like, the power creep where you start with, like, Iron Man making an iron suit in the desert and it can barely do anything. And then by Iron Man 3, it's all nanobots that can just, like, form around his body. Mm -hmm. I feel like this is Val, where, like, her first thing was, like, I'm going to not steal from my friends so that I could catch my other friend to trick you guys into liking me. Then she tries to trick tries to convince her boyfriend to sleep with said friend out of blackmail. Now she's blackmailing somebody else saying she's pregnant for a hundred grand. Like the escalation on this woman. And she's probably just like, I need to save my club. Yeah. Or she's probably like, I don't know how much this apartment costs, but I bet he's not going to keep it for me forever. So I need to pay for it. Like she's probably thinking sensibly at this point, which is wild because the way she's getting to that logic is so twisty, turny, topsy turvy. It is so manipulative. And the, when she is at the doctor's office, and the other woman is like, "I was so desperate to get pregnant, I was going to dye the test blue." I was like, "Okay, first of all, that doesn't make you pregnant. That just dyes the test blue." <laughs> yeah, right. Like you're still not pregnant. But then Val's like, "Yeah, I've heard that works." Oh, yeah, I don't have an appointment. The lady was literally like, I don't think it works like that, to your point. And she goes, no, no, I'm pretty sure it works like that. <laughs> and then just leaves. Yeah. The lady's like, oh, you could, which this also never happens. But, oh, if you have an appointment, you can go ahead of me. Nobody ever does that. Your appointment mm -hmm. was already 45 minutes late. So you're trying to get in there as fast as possible. And she's like, oh, no, I don't actually have an appointment. I just randomly come to OBGYNs to hang. <laughs> What? I just, I love it. I was like, why even go all the way up to that floor? Yeah, hang out in the lobby and then intercept him in the parking lot. Like, because this was a tall building. This was not just like, you know, a one story, like standing alone, standalone practice. This was a freaking skyscraper. And it's not even like she brought out any paperwork or anything to prove her claims. She just came out of the doctor building. Like, not even yeah. a pamphlet that says, like, you have a baby inside you. What now? <laughs> yeah. Like, yeah. she just repeats what she told Kenny earlier. She's like, I bet I'm five weeks. <laughs> she walks out, turns out I'm five weeks. <laughs> no one is that exact. I know. Especially not five weeks. Yeah, like that's that's so like early. You're a week late on your period. Yes, exactly. Maybe if you have a very regular 28 day cycle. God, it was just so. Now looking back on that, I'm like, man, this is hilarious. Kenny is dumb. <laughs> My favorite part is that she's like almost five weeks, and I'm like, girl, you haven't missed your period yet. <laughs> <laughs> I'm so pregnant, and it's yours, and you must. We have to keep it. <laughs> like. Oh, like, Valerie, I love you so much. And I think my favorite part is that Kenny has a wife and a kid. He has been through a pregnancy before. Yeah, maybe, like, maybe because when he was, like, going through pregnancy, he was still in college or something. And so, like, he was still kind of dumb then, too. I don't know. I can't explain it. All I know is that he is, like, 
whipped by Valerie's allure that he's willing to just believe whatever she says. I know. And all he keeps saying is like, we can't have this baby. It'll ruin everything. And she's like, I know. I'm five weeks pregnant. <laughs> like, I swear to God, she keeps saying, I know. And then he tries to leave and she's like, I have a doctor's appointment. Will you come with me? Like, she's yes. not acting like she's upset that she's pregnant. And he is just like, oh, thank God. She said, I know. Like, it's he's so, so dumb. Well, and it's so flip floppy because like to Mary's point from the synopsis, like after the quote unquote appointment, they come outside and they say, I love you like a hundred times. I'm like, homie, I believe Val in the sense that she knows she's just saying that at this point. But Kenny, my God, why? You sure don't act like it. He literally forgot all of the other words in his vocabulary. (laughs) I'm, like, even lost in my notes right now trying to, like, get back on track. Well, the next time is that secret apartment where Kenny shows up and Val has been waiting for him with dinner. And she's like, you didn't tell your wife yet. Because she's like, oh, sit down. Dinner's about ready. And he's like, I can't stay. And she's like, you didn't tell your wife. (laughs) Duh, Valerie. Oh, my God. And, like, what is her endgame here? Like, I guess she's, like, going along with this I need to get an abortion thing to be like, I got it. We can be together now. I think it's literally power. Like, that's all. Like, even if this, like, because obviously all this is 100% false, she just wants to know that she wants the satisfaction that she pulled one over on this grown-ass man who has a full wife and kid and job. Like, you know, because she doesn't even like him. What? They fight all the time, and she is so manipulative. Like, okay, when he's like, oh, you know, I spent all this time thinking about how my life would be better if I went, if I was with you, but then I think about Michael, again, completely ignoring the fact that Michael definitely knows that his parents fight all the freaking time. Oh, yeah. Like, there is no way he doesn't know. But then he says, like, oh, yeah, I was thinking about Michael, and she goes, why is he any more important than our child? Like, first of all, yeah, I mean, I know, I think I know what you're going to say. You're going to say like, well, number one, like if we're thinking about this realistically, Michael is like nine. I don't remember how old he is. Seven, whatever. And here, this baby Valerie doesn't actually exist. Literally because he exists. (laughs) But also imagine if you're Kenny. You sound like an idiot if you say he doesn't or or it doesn't. Like, of course the child matters because then Valerie can just be like, well, then leave your wife, you know, like all this stuff. But then if he says he does matter more, she can be like, you know, screw you, Kenny. Like, I'm not getting an abortion. Give me $100,000 what that she gets anyway. But still, you know what I mean? Like, she's so good at putting him in impossible no-win situations. And he tries to turn it back on her, and it fails. Because he's like, how do I really know this is my kid? And she is, she just shuts him down. Like, first of all, screw you, Kenny. That's yeah. a dick thing to say. Of course, I guess you are cheating on your wife, so that's what's in your mind. Exactly. But, like, it so fails on him because this conversation ends with him trying to give her $10,000 and her asking for $100,000. And... She could have named her price 
She could have friggin' said a million dollars because it didn't matter what she said. It mattered the amount that he said because, she, God, she's so good. This, whoever is, like, primarily writing for Valerie, like, hats friggin' off. Like, I love it so much because she ends it with, I'm sorry, try buying your wife off for 10 grand. Like, yes, girl, like, get, get whatever you want. I want her to have a million dollars because she's right it blows my mind and yeah like I mean she's being a manipulative person but like it's not like Kenny's in the right this is like yeah this is anti-hero kind of things where For she's sure. like you're a cheating bastard and you are <laughs> screwing over my business so like mm-hmm. hundred thousand dollars or I'm gonna send your wife a box of diapers was it this scene or was it the next one when she's like you want to play hardball I'll play harder like you want to cross me that'll be the last thing you do like oh my god I love her because she calls a spade a spade she's not lying about who she is she's not trying to be some nice girl she was to the gang you know to Steve and all them but not anymore this is grown-ass Kenny like who cares about Kenny yeah, this is not like Brandon, whose house she lives in, and like Correct. who she's known since she was a kid. <laughs> and God, yeah, because I, I think the hardball thing is when he doesn't show up, and she calls the operator to like force her way into his cell phone. Which oh yeah, I love that. That's a thing that she's like, he's not picking up. You have to push me through. <laughs> like and she's like, that- no, no, like he's actually like this phone's di- disconnected. Which is wild. Like, do you think this is like a secret cell phone that he had just for Val? Yeah. It was definitely a burner. And he canceled it, didn't get a new one because he has a regular cell phone that she doesn't know the number to. The fact that she knows his address, though, like, I don't know if she called, like, 411 information. Yeah. But, like, yeah, she leaves the club and I was like, uh, Val, where are you at? What's in that bag? What are you doing? Dude. Also, hold on. Phone books. Oh. They have addresses in them. <laughs> I haven't seen a phone book since I was 11. God, I remember I used to sit on phone books in my mom's car, like, to be taller, you know? <laughs> Anywho. Um, yeah, 100%. When she rolls up, I'm like, is there a gun in there? Like, I got a little worried that it was, like, some sort of weapon. I figured it wasn't a gun, but I was going to, like, the, like, revealing everything and not, like, playing the long game because I'm not as smart as her I was fully Mm -hmm. picturing like her showing up with like evidence of them being in the house like if this was today she would have like those like little nest cameras or whatever taking footage of him going into secret apartment and like it would very clearly have someone who like it's her but her Mm -hmm. hair's in her face so you can't tell it's her Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. yep Like, it would be something like that. Agreed. And, God, when she, like, knocks on the door, Diane remembers her and is like, oh, hey, you know. And she's just like, you know, I Kenny asked me to drop this off. When she leaves, I'm like, is Tiffany Thiessen breaking here? Because, like, the level of which, like, she was smiling – I was like, she's about to like borderline laughing here. I was like, are you, are you breaking character right now? (laughs) Like 
if that's not what it is, then Val is like, I don't know. She's got something. She's like the Joker. She thinks it's hilarious that she's ruining lives. Like, oh my God. She's so satisfied. So freaking satisfied. Also, the idea that Diane remembers Valerie after meeting her for five seconds at the beach, uh, beach club seven weeks ago, Diane's already suspicious. Well, and that's the thing. Like, if some hot young woman is approaching me on, you know, at the beach party or whatever it was, I'm going to keep tabs on her. You know, like, I'm going to remember that face, you know, because, like, also, if they've been fighting like they have been and unhappy in their marriage, my antenna would be, like, up, like, oh, yeah, okay, that's a woman that you looked at, that's a woman you looked at, you know, it it would go into my memory. Yeah. And... You know, we see Kenny next. He's at the secret apartment. He's been drinking. And he says, like, oh, it took hours to convince her that that was all a mistake or something. It's like, no, it (laughs) – you didn't do anything. She doesn't believe you. No. There is no way in this world that woman believes that it was a mistake that Valerie showed up with diapers. I also, again, because Valerie always has to be in control and show it. Kenny's sitting there and she walks in and he's like, I've been waiting. And she's like, oh, there's a switch. Like, still playing the game. Love it. Yeah. She's got full on Val face on. She is ready. And he gives her the hundred grand. Yeah, he does. And then, yeah, he's like, I expect you to have an abortion. You have to sign an NDA. And she's like, I'm signing an NDA about something I lied about. Whatever. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. Sure. I won't tell you I lied about this. No problem. (laughs) Yeah. Like, I feel like shy of him wanting a receipt about the abortion like mm-hmm. she's getting away with this oh a hundred percent and, and now she's- i'm still worried about the whole like apartment lease situation in her name and the fact that he knows so much about the financials of the pee pad but that's a story for another day that's the thing this is not over yeah this is not over by far and this is gonna blow up in her face somehow and i feel like it can't be because of kenny because i just refuse to believe he's that smart but you are right. He does know about the financials and he's got secret apartment. Like he can F her over and then just disappear from her life. Yeah, exactly. I mean, he like he may not be good in relationships and overly a good guy or smart in that regard, but he definitely knows what he's talking about in the business world because like we've seen, P-pad, apartment, burner phone, you know, all of that. So I should yeah. give him more credit than he probably deserves, but I still think Val eventually will come out on top. I think she'll at least come out no worse than she was when she met him. Sure. We'll go with that. I, yeah. Aside from, you know, the emotional manipulation of affairs. But mm-hmm. but that's it. I, I think we got everything. I think so, this, too. This was a long episode with a lot of stuff. It was jam-packed. And so the episode was titled Fearless, which is pretty much just Donna not being afraid of the dark, right? Yeah. Well, and in the very beginning, her not being scared of, you know, like the whole saving the deer thing. I think they do say the word fearless or like Dr. Dad says it at one point or something like Donna's not afraid of anything or something like that. So when she and Cliff have the conversation about being afraid of the dark and she's like, I was never scared anymore because my dad's face was there above the light. 
I don't know why, but it made me think of two things. It made me think of um, the Queen, like Bohemian Rhapsody, when they're all in black <laughs> and it's just their faces. It made me think of that. And the second thing it made me think of is in the Teletubbies, the sunshine with the baby face in it. <laughs> just put Dr. Dad there. <laughs> I literally imagined someone like around a campfire shining a flashlight up at their face to be scary. (laughs) Yeah, I was thinking like The Shining when Jack Nicholson like put his face in the door. That's the second thing. It was definitely The Shining. (laughs) God, y'all went so much better on like (laughs) no, no Teletubby baby son. Perfect. It's, yeah. It's probably more accurate to what Donna saw also. Yeah. <laughs> oh, man. Yeah, no. I I saw like clowns and murderers and Donna was just like, I'm not scared anymore. <laughs> yeah. Oh man. Okay. Well, Caitlin, did you have a quote of the week? Sure did. Was it Valerie Malone? No, it was not. Oh, it damn. was not. We did talk about it, though. We did talk about it. Okay, I think the only other quote that I wrote was, uh, aside from Steve being like, how can you break up with me just because I kissed another girl, mm-hmm. was at the pee pad when Tracy says she wants Brandon to she wants someone to date her because she's pretty witty and available. Two out of three do. Which two? Pretty and available. It's a good one. Okay, so I already know it's not Kelly being like, this is amazing when Mark gives her two books to read to understand his personality. Um, I really feel like I didn't write that many things down. So technically I have two quotes of the week, but one we didn't mention and one we did. Oh shit. Yeah, I don't know why, but I wrote down both Kel and or not Kel, God, Kenny and Val. <laughs> him being like, damn it. And she's like, damn it. <laughs> this is our baby. Um, but the other one I wrote down was Steve or no, Brandon saying, You're the best Steve you can be. That's one of them. Just the pause and him realizing, like, no, I can't say something good about you because you're just you. Uh, The second one, I don't even know if you guys noticed this, but when Mark and Kelly were dancing at the pee pad party, like, he kind of talks about not wanting the night to end and, like, what should they do next and stuff. And he says he wants to take her to Paris. And then he says, and walk along the scene. Okay, I missed it's the Paris thin. part, and I heard him say scene, and I was like, I don't know what he's talking about. I'm just not going to write it down. I'm not it's going back. Thin. I was like, oh, no, no. Oh, no. Oh, honey. <laughs> Poor Mark. It's okay. It's fine. We all do it. It was just kind of – it just stuck out to me. Some of us don't have a team of writers to pause the scene and correct you and keep True it that. going. Mary, what was your moment of the week? Um – Okay, so I'm going to have to give it to um, Brandon talking to Tracy out like when he's 
basically shitting on her little editorial comment or whatever, um, he mentions something about having like a petty gripe of the week. Mm-hmm. And I was like, Brandon, that is a brilliant podcast idea. <laughs> <laughs> so it's either that or um, just the lady in the um, OBGYN's office being like, you can't go ahead of me. I'm not in a hurry for my appointment. Like, what the fuck is that? <laughs> That's not how appointments work. <laughs> this is also not how people work. Like, in general, if you're at the doctor for a specific reason, you're not like, it's okay. I'm just dying. Go ahead. <laughs> I'm yep. just bleeding out. But by all means, go ahead. <laughs> so that's my petty gripe of the week. <laughs> I love it. I love petty gripe of the week. I'm going to start calling it your petty gripe of the week. Instead of moment. I'm never going to remember that. It's going to be moment next week. It's fine. <laughs> and speaking of next week, look at that segue. That's a great one. We have season seven, episode eight, The Things We Do for Love, which I feel like could have been this the title of this episode. Yeah. And I feel like it's going to be about everyone. Like, I can see it being about Val and Kenny for some unknown reason. You know, Mark and Cliff are the new boys for Donna and Kelly. Uh, maybe Claire and Steve decide to try an open relationship and that's like, oh, the things I do for love just to be with her. We will see. Yeah, I guess we will. So until then, you can follow us on Twitter and Instagram at Back2Podcast. You can also send us over an email with any of your thoughts, questions, comments, your petty gripe of the week at Back2Podcast at gmail.com. That's B-A-C-K-T-O podcast at gmail.com. And don't forget to go into your podcast app and rate, review, subscribe, share it with all your friends and family. All that stuff really helps us get seen and it helps us build a community. And that way we can give y'all a better product. And if you give us a review, we'll give you a shout out on the show because we really appreciate that. So until next week, from all of us at Back to Podcast, I have to go accept my citizen hero of the fire plaque. I've got a date with a dick named Dork. I gotta go deliver this bag of diapers to someone's wife. Bye. Bye. See ya.